Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. You know, are, are we really more like FM radio stations where you just kind of turn the dial until you hit the music that speaks to you as an individual or a subgroup as opposed to speaks to the church in terms of decades or, in my case, centuries? Why are hit worship songs so different from songs? How are those songs reaching the congregation? And should we be incorporating more hymns into our churches? We're joined today by Terry Mattingly. He's the founder and editor of GetReligion.org, and he is going to share some insight on all of those questions today on Connections. Terry Mattingly is our guest today. He's the founder and editor of GetReligion.org. Terry, we're really happy to have you join us today. And you caught my eye earlier this year when I was looking at uh, Religion Unplugged and reading through their stories. And I, your headline of an opinion piece caught my eye, that headline, Why Are Hit Worship Songs So Different yeah. from the Psalms? And this is something I think about often as a uh, former pastor, and I still do a lot of preaching, but now I work in Christian radio and yeah, sometimes uh, the songs that we hear on Christian radio, they're quite a bit different than scripture. Uh, tell us a little bit about what got you thinking about this subject matter. It really helps to know something about my background. Music is a very, very important part of my life. And quite frankly, my church involvement. I was raised Southern Baptist in Texas, but very early in my life kind of became a classical musician and singer, and began to appreciate all kinds of ancient forms of Christian music and Christian tradition, you know, as well as contemporary. Uh, I spent some time as a, you know, guitar playing worship leader uh, during one stage of my life. But 20 something years ago, my wife and I and our family, we converted to Eastern Orthodoxy. And that's a tradition where we sing the Psalms all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you basically most of our service, I would say 70% of an Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox worship service is sung a prayer and sung scripture. And when we talk about new music, we're talking about something that's only 300 years old or something. I mean, we, a lot of our music can be dated, you know, just as much in terms of a millennia you know, as it can in terms of what's on the pop charts. We're, we're not exactly pop-oriented people. So, <laughs> so the knowing a lot about the Psalms is important to me, but there's one other thing here. I have a genuine love for what I would call the, the folk music tradition within Christianity. I live in the hills of Southern Appalachia. That's uh, here in Tennessee. We have Scotch-Irish hymnody. We have all kinds of traditional hill music. And, I, and I, I probably go to the only Eastern Orthodox um, congregation, maybe for several hundred miles, that has its own kind of bluegrass folk group. Oh, cool. Which, which, which does not play in worship services, but has been known to pull out guitars and banjos after weddings, you know, for festivities and... Um, we have an appreciation of the region we're in. But see, when you study old Protestant hymnody, you get some of that first person emotional, I've come to the garden alone kind of stuff. 
But a lot of the hymnody of these mountains is really quite profound and deep, and I would argue quite biblical and scriptural. Uh, what Wondrous Love Is This is a very uplifting song, but I don't think you're going to hear it on the pop charts anytime soon, just to name one example of a, a hymn I'm particularly fond of. Um, and I love to play on the guitar. <laughs> but, but my point here is we've, we've got three levels. This isn't just classical versus pop. A lot of what's going on in traditional hymnody, um, black church hymnody, some traditional songs within the Latino tradition have a much more profound interest in scripture and in ancient subjects of oppression and need and pain that, that that's much deeper than just kind of uh, the sort of personal emotional approach we see in so much of our music today. So I think I need to be honest about my own biases on this. I'm a classical and a folk tradition music, musician in a tradition that has nothing at all to do with CCM, you know, with contemporary Christian music. So do you still think then with this contemporary Christian music that we can still take something away from it or is it just too self-involved? Well, there are, there are songs that I think that are way better than others, just to be honest with you. I think it has more to do with the system. Um, about, gosh, it's been almost 20 years now, I was teaching a class at Palm Beach Atlantic University, which is a Southern Baptist Heritage School. that's basically just mainstream evangelical. And I was teaching a class called Exegete the Culture. And we were looking at trends of how mass media influences the church but at the same time, we were looking at how the church ignores a lot of the messages that come through mass media. And we were in the section on music. And before class began, a young woman in the class walked in and was describing the rehearsal the previous night at her local megachurch where she was on the worship team. And she said they were singing one of the congregation's favorite songs. I don't remember which one it was. I mean, because that was 20 years ago, right? But... She said that the, the woman next to her leaned over halfway through it. You no, know, they're standing there singing at the top of their voices with their hands in their air and they're rehearsing. And this woman leans over and says, you know, I am so over this song. Mm -hmm. And the young woman said, how can we be over something that has so much meaning to our congregation? Yet at the same time, it, this song is only four months old. Huh. <laughs> um. um and she began to wonder, how long has it been since we sang any traditional hymns in our congregation? And if my grandparents wandered into the service, is there anything we're singing that would connect to that part of the body of Christ? You know, are, are we really more like FM radio stations mm. where you just kind of turn the dial until you hit the music that speaks to you as an individual? or a subgroup, as opposed to speaks to the church in terms of decades, or in my case, centuries. We had uh, done an episode recently on asking, should love songs be in Christian music? Not in worship music, but just can Christian artists write love songs or not? And somebody made the comment, why not? Most worship songs nowadays 
are asking Jesus to be our boyfriend anyway. So yeah. that's become <laughs> uh, a cl- that's become a cliche, but there is some accuracy to it. Yeah, and I think they're talking about the emotive quality of personal relationship, whereas you go to like say an ancient service in the Eastern Orthodox Church, what you hear over and over are references, occasional references to the individual, but what you hear over and over is we. In other words, the body of Christ, all of us are united, you know, in what we're trying to do here and what we're trying to confess and what we're trying to believe. Uh, It's not an individualistic thing. What do you see in the Psalms then, the major differences between modern worship music and the Psalms? The Psalms um, could be at times individualistic, right? David writing and, and pleading and lament. So what are the major differences that you see in the Psalms then? Well, you just cited one of the big ones, uh, and that's the word lament. Mm -hmm. Um, Bono of the rock band U2 uh, has referred to the Psalms as God's blues. Mm -hmm. And what he means by that is the Psalms are both praise, but then there are just gut-wrenching Psalms where the psalmist is singing about pain and, frankly, kind of social justice issues and the plight of the poor. And over and over, you hear people in the Psalms pleading for help from God and lamenting the conditions of this life while also, you know, worshiping God for his his greatness. Even though you slay me, I will praise you is not a message you're going to hear anytime soon in a praise chorus. Yeah. Um, and so the, your word lament is crucial. I would say the plight of the poor, the hungry, the suffering, the widows. Um, there's an awful lot of community life and issues and issues of, for lack of a better word, justice that play themselves into the Psalms. That you And frankly, a lot of old hymnody, uh, the Depression era hymnody of Protestantism doesn't sound anything like the music you would hear today. Compare the pop charts of the CCM with the contents of black hymnody, you know, which goes back one to two centuries. Uh, And you'll find a radical difference there in terms of um, kind of the seriousness of the issues that are being examined. Whereas spiritual warfare in the uh, contemporary music scene seems to be more about um, strictly spiritualized issues, like my feelings and my emotions, that this is what I'm going through, not our nation. We, we are you know, involved in the injustices and the causes of our time, and we're pleading for God to help us. That's uh, as a culture, as a society, as a church, as, a, as groups of people, uh, it's much more of uh, the, the political term is communitarian. Um, it's more about the body of Christ, not my personal feelings standing at this microphone. Hmm. I, I was just thinking too, like from a pastoral and liturgical angle, we might really be doing a disservice to people when they come into a worship gathering and the music is number one, all me, 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 uh, hmm. but it's all like upbeat and, oh, you love me and, or uh, yeah, basically that I want Jesus to be my boyfriend, but they're coming with grief. They're coming with pain. 
Uh, they're coming with all sorts of struggles and it feels like there's no space in those type of worship services. Like it's almost like if you walk into church feeling sad or angry or grieving that you're sinning kind of in that yeah. style of worship, doesn't it? I think grief there is a key word. A lot of the hymnody, the CCM, if we're going to call it hymnody, uh, instead of just praise songs, which is the term that was used in the kind of in the material I was writing about in my column recently. I think a lot of it presumes the victory has already occurred. Now, it's true that Christ has already won the victory that we're trying to claim, but that doesn't mean that we as individuals or we as the body of Christ, it doesn't mean that we're there yet. And it certainly doesn't mean that the life we're living and the challenges we're facing in daily life, that we have already been able to claim that victory. And it sounds, quite frankly, it's praise. It's praise of God. And that's important. And that's a part of what the Psalms do. But the other half of the equation is really important. I'm working on a column probably for next week about a very interesting group of men. I don't know if you've heard of them. Are you familiar with the Catholic theological term Thomist? T-H-O-M-I-S-T? I I am. It's, It's people who are into the thought of Thomas Aquinas. So I've interviewed a, a group of Dominican priests and monks who formed what really is a country rock band. And the name of the group is the Hillbilly Thomists. <laughs> I and, love it. And their, very, and their very first album was dedicated to classic mountain hymnody of like the 18th and 19th century and all kinds of classics like I'll Fly Away and all kinds of stuff. Mm. And then they've gone on now to release another couple of albums um, where they've started writing their own songs. And they're written in this this old kind of bluesy country hillbilly style and tradition because that's these men all grew up in the South and that's the musical instruments they play. What I have found interesting about their music is it has nothing whatsoever to do with classical Catholic music, except in the subject material and except in some of the themes. And yet it also has nothing to do with contemporary Christian praise music. It's like these men in white monks cassocks with Martin guitars and banjos are trying to create new traditional folk music. And one of the priests told me, he said that one of their most popular songs is a song that's based on the kinds of lamenting and struggles that he hears when individuals come into confession, you know, and talk about the real struggles in their own life. And he put some of that into a song, which is basically a man on a bar stool kind of complaining about his life and trying to figure out why are things not working out for me? You know, and then toward the end, it has, you know, these hints of God's being able to rescue him. Um, but it's a song you could put on a an Americana or traditional country radio station and it would fit right in. And it's written by a man who happens to be the head of a theological studies unit at the Vatican. Who just also happens to play the banjo. You know, I mean, so it's 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 a weird point of view. But what in, what drew me to that column 
was here are some people that are trying to deal with the subjects of traditional Christian music and hymnody, yet they're trying to write songs that reflect this kind of blue-collar, southern, blue-jeans, barstool country reality in life. I, I think it's an in intriguing experiment. Uh, and they played the Grand Ole Opry, the other, by the way, the other night. Very I, I don't, awesome. I don't know if they were actually on the radio broadcast. And for one or two of the songs, they had about 30 nuns from the local Dominican uh, convent back them up as a backup. Oh, that's group. so cool. <laughs> I mean, so that's, that's contemporary music, sort of. But the whole point of their group is they're saying previous generations of Christians were on to something with these classic mountain hymns. Hmm. They, they spoke to people in the Depression. They spoke to people in poverty. They spoke to people in parts of the country where half of your children didn't survive childbirth. And you had things to cry about. These are hymns for them. It's kind of going along a question I really wanted to ask, which is, you know, a lot of these churches will have this kind of music because that's what they're using to draw people in that typically wouldn't go to yeah. church. Ah, yeah. Now, when it comes to hymns, I know the other day, all of a sudden our church inserted a hymn and wow, you could just feel it. I don't know. I got emotional. Is there a way that we can incorporate hymns? You know, there people have tried um, and tried to pop them up, but is there a way we can incorporate hymns into churches like this and still draw in those people that maybe don't want to go to a church that is, uh, I don't know what term to use, but you know, that's playing hymns or that type of thing. Well, you said it a while ago. If people walk in and they're in pain and they're in times of suffering, I'm not sure a lot of the contemporary Christian music is necessarily something that would speak to them. I also think a lot of our churches are thinking in terms of what I, I, I don't want to be dismissive when I say this. They're thinking more in terms of suburban Americans and kind of their radio niche than they're thinking about blue-collar Americans. And when they're thinking about Latinos and when they're thinking about immigrants, and they're think there are a lot of other Americans that don't fit into the profile of the seeker-friendly local church. But I also think they should think about it in terms of generations, not just subject material or whatever. Uh, gosh, a long time ago, I wrote a column about a church in Arizona that had like five different worship services. And the person, I, I read about it in an article and called the music minister up. And he said, well, we have several music ministers. And he said, we think of our services as different radio stations. And we have an we have an Eagles service for the aging baby boomers. We have a U2 service for Gen X. We have a kind of a metal electronic service that's really cutting edge. And for all of our children's departments, we have boy bands that go in and sing and sing to them during the children's church. And what drew me to the column was he said, this year we decided to have an Easter service that was for everyone. And the negotiations over what music we would sing got almost brutal. Wow. Meaning that nobody could agree on what music to sing because we were singing to different audiences. 
And and this man at one point just said, at some point we had to ask ourselves, are we dealing with different churches here or are we one church? Yeah. What would we do to create a worship service? And Easter of all times should be the time you do it. Are we one church when it comes to worship? Or are we now five different churches? And I think that's the larger theological question people should be asking about the generations of people in their church. Or have they created a church that is specifically going after kind of one socioeconomic and age group within their local community and have tried to create the FM radio station for them? That's a very interesting way to think of it, especially as me, as a FM uh, CCM program director. <laughs> I can see that at a lot of churches. I have so many more questions, and I think we'll have to have you on another time, uh, but we're running out of time for the show. So tell us a little bit again, Terry, about where we could follow along online with uh, some of your writings and think more about these things that you're thinking about as well. Yeah, I'm going to get one quick for last final illustration. While I was at Palm Beach Atlantic, I brought them a C, C, um, a C, CCD, not CD, a compact disc. Good grief, I can't talk. <laughs> I bought them a compact disc of, of U2 songs that were all full of scripture and religious messages so they could play it in the gym while people were working out. And I came back a couple of weeks later and they had taken it off and they said, why, why did you stop playing that music? And they said, Oh, because it's not Christian music. And I said, why is it not Christian music? It's all scripture. And it's a bunch of, well, we didn't buy it at a contemporary Christian music store. Huh. That hit me. Okay. Yeah. The two places they need to go is getreligion.org. That's the media critique website. But if they want to follow my columns and it's not in your local newspaper, uh, go to tmatt.net. tmatt.net. Net, and there's a simple place on the on the website where you can put your email address in, and you'll get the column every week. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been very interesting, and you've got me singing German hymns in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, Martin Luther was trying to mix the bar music of his day, right, with with yeah. traditional texts, and yeah, maybe maybe more people need to try that. <laughs> oh. Terry, thank you so much. It's a great conversation. It definitely was. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.